0: Uh, Supergirl. It's awesome. She is isn't she? At least I think so. Hey, we're talking about family here. I got you know you gotta say certain things in public, you know. It's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna lower this because it makes me taller. If you don't mind. Well welcome everybody to not only the Harvest Festival, but welcome to our series and we are talking about family. We're talking about the future of our families for generations to come. And we're so glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, welcome. If you're Bo Bo Latane, we want to say, welcome home. (laughs) Uh, Bo's back from uh, serving in uh, classified areas. As I said a few weeks ago, when when Seth departed to go to his next duty station, Bo has come back and he actually was awarded uh, a Sailor of the Year. Uh, So Bo, we want to commend you for your... It's very challenging to be spiritual and be in the military, and Bo has done and navigated those waters successfully, so we are so proud of you, Bo, and we love you very much. Um, children are a big deal to us. If you look outside, it's a big deal for kids, huh? They're big. I mean, we have people at 8 a.m. getting chairs and setting up booths. Why? Because kids are important to us because they're family, and family's important to you. It's at our core. When your family's doing poorly, it just it messes you up. That's how important family is. So years ago, I I learned something about myself. That it's not my responsibility to fill anyone else's cup. My responsibility is to empty my cup. And God refills it. And you guys do the same thing. You guys uh, empty yourselves to each other. Your house church leaders empty themselves to each other. And God fills your cup back up. It takes a lot of the pressure off me of of, you know, I have to know everything and do everything. I don't know everything. And you don't know everything. And that's why sometimes people don't want to serve and and, and take a a leadership role in church because they feel like, how can I tell you and help you? You don't. You just got to empty yourself and God will fill you up. And it's really awesome. Um, Today I'm I'm going to tell you everything I know about parenting. Not everything you need to know, just what I know. I've been a parent for 11 years, and so my frame of reference is limited because it's only been 11 years, but I'm going to share with you the things that I've learned from watching others, reading books, going to seminars, learning from people, what Karen and I have implemented in our family. It is a way. It's not the way. It's just our way of doing it and how we respond to the Scriptures. And I'm just going to empty myself to you, and hopefully you'll find encouragement from that. And you'll find an inspiration to navigate your waters and your family through the Scriptures and how to find a way for you to successfully navigate your future of your family. And the topic today is of parenting. Now... What I lack in insight, I make up in confidence. I, when I read the scriptures and I, and I grab that principle, I may not know everything, but I, I'm going to do my best to try to apply that practically into my into my household. So, uh, and there's many good books; you should read them. Uh, and that, here's and, and, and here's what we did. Karen um, and I were married. we married 14 years. Uh, we had Juliana. She was born in 2003, and Jaden was born in 2005. We have a boy and a girl. And we stopped right there. We said, "Okay, man-to-man coverage is all about what we can handle." We didn't want to go zone defense and have three or four. I grew up in a family of four, and I realized my parents could not contain us. There was two; we were overrunning the house. So my experience was like. Man-to-man coverage, we can deal with that. I can deal with that. I can take Jade, and she can take Juliana, and yeah. we got... That's what we did. It's not the, the only way. That was just our way. We just thought, okay, we almost tried for a third, and I was like, whew, thank God the Lord did not bless that. Because <laughs> I, I, I was really reluctant, because I didn't, I didn't feel confident personally in giving my time and attention to three. Maybe you can do it. I just knew myself. I'm like, huh, what? What? Karen's like, gee, over here. I'm like, what, what's happening? I, I'm not always attentive in there. So I knew myself. I said, two is probably the best I can do in our family. Again, if you have three or four, that is awesome. It just wasn't my ability to do it. I just knew myself. So, um... Karen, Karen and I get sometimes we get asked about what are your insights about uh, how to work with single parents and blended families. Karen and I aren't, can't speak with any authority in that area, but we got couples in, this, in our church here that can, that are successful in raising blended families. Single moms are doing well. We can't speak of that, but they can. Um, my father grew up in a, in a home where both the parents were not married, uh, and so he grew up in an awkward situation with stepdads. Uh, And I believe what he did when he grew up, he made a fundamental change in how he was going to raise his family. He and my mom have been married for over 45 years. And that was a great role model for, for me, even though he didn't have a role model for himself. Karen's parents have been married 47 years.
1: So Karen comes to my
0: family that she's had great role models. I've had a great role models being faithful to one one man, one woman. I saw it and I still see it today. They're faithful. So that gave me a lot of inspiration, a lot of like hope that, yeah, I can be a one-woman man for the rest of my life. So that was good for me. That was kind of my background and my dad... Uh, has made her a point, you know, to, to, to emphasize with us, I, I've been faithful to your mother. And that was important for a guy to hear that, because in today's world, that's not always the case. So, from the beginning, Karen and I, we set up uh, three commandments in our home. And I asked my daughter, and I got her permission to say this to you, uh, I said, what do you think about the rules in our house growing up? She says, I like them, because they were, they were three, and they weren't too many. So, we had few rules that were very important to us. Meaning rules that warranted immediately immediate discipline. Sometimes it was a spank. Sometimes it was uh, a confiscation of things. But it was, we engaged it with, with um, spiritual vigor. We really went after these three areas for our children. There's many, many things you can correct your kids on. We honed in on just three. And here's what they were from the scriptures. One was show proper respect to everyone. Uh, You know, we really engage, if they rolled their eyes at us, if they, whatever, did that to Karen or me, I would step in and really, really make a point uh, of that. Um, There's one scripture missing, which I'm going to quote for you, Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Early on, we made it a point that our children would obey our direction the very first time, and they would do it without complaint and without whining. So early on when they were two, we were in those stages of, hey, we, want, we had an expectation. When mommy or daddy says something, we expect you to respond and obey the very first time. Because it says, uh, obey your parents for this is the right thing to do. Um, and then we had respect. Show proper respect to mom and dad, your brother. And that, and that trickled out to, be, to teachers now. It trickles on to policemen, firemen. It trickles on to you. Uh, it, it, this, this principle really uh, took its toll uh, on their hearts because uh, we wanted to raise just, just we wanted to raise good human beings, and God's word really helped that. Um, and then, lastly, uh, we, we wanted the people, the, our kids to be honest. And there's a proverb here that says, "Kings take pleasure in honest lips." they value persons who speak what is right we wanted to make sure that our kids were honest and we set an environment in the home where they could be honest where they didn't have to lie so i didn't do a lot of i was like a policeman when i saw an incident i'd come in and i separate them and I'd interview them. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't set them up to lie. I would be very careful not to set them up for a lie. So I would want to just get information from them. So I was trying to help them because when they're very little, a lot of times they don't understand what a lie is. So I was trying to teach them and educate them what lying is. And as we, as we got older, they understood what a lie was and what telling the truth was. And it was very clear. So these are three things that we focused on. So why is this, was this important to us? Because it's, we, we felt it's important for their future. These, all these three, three things are the bedrocks that we believe are for the healthy relationships they're going to have with people when they're older. It could be their husband, it could be their wife, it could be their teacher, it could be their minister, it could be their group leader, it could be anyone. These three things we felt, this was, if we're going to launch them off into the world, they would have a bedrock and how to function with other people and have good, solid, good, uh, healthy relationships. Now, uh, to the men, I would say this, if you teach your children how to honor their mother, they are most likely honor the father. Uh, you know, in the Bible, there's many verses about how children can easily disgrace their mother, because they probably spend most of the time with their children, and so the children feel much more comfortable about mom. And so, I have to be, I'm always aware of how my children speak to my wife. And I, try, I intervene immediately when it's a tone of disrespect or a tone of, I don't care, I'm not listening. Or they fold their arms. I really try to engage that with them and really help them through that process. The side benefit is my wife thinks I'm a hero. Amen. That's the side benefit. When you engage and hey, you guys are like, that's awesome. You know, she gets really fired up when I do that. Uh, so it's a side benefit. Well, why lying? Well, lying can break a relationship. Lying can destroy a relationship. We wanted, and nothing else matters to us if you can't believe what you hear. We want to make sure that our kid, what they told us, it, 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 it's believable, and we wanted to have the foundation of, hey, we want you to tell the truth no matter how bad it's going to hurt us or someone else. You tell the truth. And if we, don't, if we didn't do that, I, we felt like it, it'll throw everything off balance. How can someone trust you? How can you have a real relationship with someone if you're lying to them? So we're, we're honed in on those three areas. Those three areas determined, we, we got involved and we, we had immediate discipline for those three things. Everything else was a conversation. Everything else we talked it through. Everything else we, we really engaged and just had a conversation about, okay, let's, let's work on that, let's just, just change this direction, and we refocused we, we them. But these three, we felt, are things that we really need to focus on. So, and the reason why lying was important to me personally is because in the Bible, Abraham, the father of our faith, he, was, he lied. He lied about who his wife was. And guess what happened when his son saw him lying or heard about him lying or his son Isaac became a liar too. So, these kind of characteristics, they, they kind of float through a generation of your family. And this was, the, this was the first family of the Bible. This was like the family of the patriarchs of the Bible where this sinful part of their character was being uh, uh, passed on to the next generation. And so we knew these were important things. And we wanted to stop the madness of just how my dad grew up. He grew up with a dysfunctional family. And we wanted our family to be functional and, and, and to be an appropriate in a, in a spiritual way. So after our kids were born, Karen and I set some family goals. And we landed on two primary objectives for our family. First thing was the atmosphere of our home. That is something that Karen and I have full control over. What the atmosphere was like. When you walk in, it's like, ooh, I better not mess up or else dad's going to get me. You know, I grew up in an atmosphere where, where if, if someone was out of place or something got dirty or you walked in with mud on your feet, man, it was Kaboom! So my atmosphere at home was like, okay, make sure everything's cool. Dad's home. Is everything good? When Dad got home, I was like, okay, let's scurry. I wanted an atmosphere in my house. When the kids come home, they're like, ah, we're home. This is our refuge. This is where I can get real. This is where I can be open. This is where I can sit and stuff to Mom and Dad without judgment. And we wanted that atmosphere to be a big part of their growing up. Safety. It was a safe place to, to decompress after eight hours or seven hours of being in a public school. We wanted them to decompress and say, man, this is what my day was like. This is what, how hard it is. And we just wanted, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, come on in. Here's some cookies, too. <laughs> so we have a lot of cookies and baked goods when they come home from school because, again, it's atmosphere we're trying to build in our home. Uh, and, the, and, the, um, and we wanted them to have uh, great adult relationships and, and, and with us when they get older and that atmosphere they grew up in, we're going to want them to come to this atmosphere when they're older to invite them over and they'll want to come over. Uh, to be honest, sometimes when my parents, when parents invite me over, I have to go like, okay, <sighs> put on my suit of just... Because <sighs> when I get home, Miles, honestly, my mom is awesome, but she gets on me. She gets on for anything. It's like, And I'm like, it's almost traumatizing. I was a 42-year-old. My mom is on you. She's awesome, but she's on you. And so I want my atmosphere when my kids come out as adults. I want them that it's like a refuge. It's safety, and I want to build that with my kids. But it had to start with our atmosphere now in the home, and that's awesome. When I go to my parents' house, it's very stressful. When I go to Karen's house, it's very peaceful. I'm on the couch (laughs) dipping chips in my little dip, and my house is like, like, make sure everything's right, you know. Just you know, it's very stressful. So, and Karen and I usually fight after coming home from my parents' house. We always get into some fight because I'm getting the stress out. So, like, ah! Just getting the stress out. So, we realized, you know, I got what I wanted in my family was an atmosphere of safety and refuge. As adults, I want to have a great relationship with them. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. Uh, Because we understood that that we, as parents, for our kids, we're just the warm up act. They got. 18. After 18, they got a whole life. We're just the warm-up act. We're just the, we're just a small part in the beginning in our house of their entire life. They're going to be out of the house and doing whatever they choose to do. So the second thing that we focused on was conflict resolution in the home. We never let a fight go undealt with. We a fight with mom, a fight with dad, and especially a fight as they got older. They fought with each other, and they still fight to each other every single day. And it is exhausting to resolve conflict. But we are committed to making sure that our kids grow up and have a great relationship with each other. Because when we're gone, that's all they have left. Them and their cousins. And we wanted to make sure they had a great relationship. And I grew up in a household where conflict was never resolved. Hatred was birthed at my childhood to my brothers. It affects us now a little bit. We're we're like distant, not because we're like we're just distant. We're not close. Like we see each other, we love each other, but we don't call and we don't hang out and talk and we don't spend. We spend. I see him once a year, and we're all pretty happy about that for some reason. We didn't have because we were always fighting, fist fighting. Mom would never intervene, and there would never be a talk and a sit down and resolving the heart. It was just brutal. So what ends up happening is that you don't mind them being away from you. It's like okay. I have all my friends over here in the church. I'm great. But it just taught me something about my family. I want my kids to grow up going, hey, I want to see my sister. I want to see my brother. I want to see mom and dad. I don't have a heart. My heart is not filled with, I can't wait to talk to my dad. I call my dad because I love my dad, but my heart is not yearning to, to have this deep relationship because I'm a man and i got my own kids now. It's a different, it's a different scenario for me. So I, I'm just trying to build for the next generation. The things that my dad taught me were invaluable. If you're committed to a marriage, it works. I'll never forget that lesson. It works. My dad's committed. Yeah, they fight and it's dysfunctional, but my, I knew my dad wasn't going anywhere. Amen. When I, even when I see him on the couch, my God, like, oh, you got in a fight, huh? <laughs> I knew he wasn't going anywhere. I knew my mom stopped making dinner. I'm like, oh, they're fighting. It's obvious. <laughs> but I was still under the impression that they would never, never leave each other. So that leaves us with parenting uh, this is one of the principles that we exercise in our family. Again, this is what we do. If you want to take something from what we do, great. But this is our, this is our parenting. We understood that when they're very young, our control was very much in, in here. The control arrow lessens as they get older, and my influence also increases. Uh, it it kind of has the inverse of the control. So when they're very little, we did we gave them age-appropriate responsibility. You know. My kids are in this area right here, 6 through 12. My son wanted to drive the car. I said, no, you cannot drive the car. That's inappropriate, right? So they can sit on my lap. I'm going to the parking lot and they can practice. But I'm not going to let them have the car because that would be inappropriate behavior for their age. So as they, got, as they get older, so we're, up to, we're in this part of the funnel. So we still exercise a little bit of control in their life. But what I'm understanding is as they get, they get older, my control must come down. And my influence must come up. Because what, what where we feel, like what we've seen, is that parents, they want to keep the control when they're 16 to 18. And I felt the control growing up as a child. Having massive, and what I did was I just rebelled. Instead of, instead of a control, we chose, we want influence on their life. We want to influence our Juliana and Jaden. Because the psalm says here like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver. It's full of them. The illustration is that it's a bow and arrow. And the arrow are your children. And you take out that bow. And you will shoot your children off into the world. So my, my, my role and Karen's role in this, in this particular situation with our kids is we're preparing them and help them to mature in their relationship with us and prayerfully their relationship with God. Okay, that, is our, that has been our, our philosophy. And when they fail or make a mistake... Karen and I would let them make the mistake and let them suffer naturally. We let natural consequences take their course because that's preparing them for the real world. We didn't want to scoop them up every single time they had a boo-boo everything because it's not realistic. The world is an unfair place and the world is an unloving place. Not that we're unloving, but we were trying to prepare them To leave the home and understand, not be be shocked by what's out there, but to understand there are things out there that they're going to have to face. And we didn't bail them out when they fell into trouble. Another thing we did is that we we made a point to teach them when there was not a crisis going on. Uh, We felt like whenever I did crisis parenting, it was mostly ineffective. It was, it, we found that to be ineffective. Really didn't, It helped them in the short term, not the long term. So we felt like, hey, when there's not a crisis going on, this is our moment to teach about this, the crisis that can, that can come. We're going to teach when there's no crisis. The atmosphere is great for teaching and learning. Versus it's all, it all fell apart, and then, and then we get into this crisis, you know, scared mode. And we didn't want to do that. And we did that, and we didn't want to do that. Like That's not working for us. Yeah. That's not going to work for them. Yeah, yeah. So we, we decided to, to teach during non-crisis. Opportunities, um, and one of the things we, we learned we learned from that was watching other parents. Now we we I've been in the teen ministry since I, before I had children. I worked in the preteen ministry before I had kids, so I had a, the privilege and the honor of watching parents with their kids and watching how the kids develop in their faith. When I wasn't even a parent, but I paid attention. So just because you don't have kids today and you, you haven't had them yet, pay attention because these are all the things that I've learned over the years of 20 years of being a Christian, 14 years of being married, 11 of them as a parent, but most of my learning came before I had kids. Most of my learning came from watching people with their kids. And one of the things that, that we under, I understood this clearly from working with kids was that the things that shape us when we are adults is rejection and acceptance. And I saw that in, in, in reality with the kids, when they felt rejected by their friends or their or their parents, it, it was devastating. And I saw the, I saw the power of acceptance, not the power of hey, do what you want and you can live how you want, not, not that. Just I'm accepting you for who you are. My son is not bent like me. He's not made like me in a sense of uh, he, he, he. I was my I was bent this way, and my father tried really hard to bend me this way. In the process of making me something that I'm not, he broke something inside of me unintentionally. He didn't do it on purpose. He thought he was doing right, but my slant was this way, and he tried to bend me this way, and something inside of me snapped. And I became gruff and closed. Jaden is bent like me, and so I'm working with his bent, his emotional disposition, his personality is what I'm talking about. I work with that. He's on the sensitive side. I work with that. Yeah, when I like him to be like, "Yeah, man, this is awesome," and kick stuff and kick cones and trash cans. Part of me is like, "Yeah, <laughs> kind of awesome." That's what I did. I threw eggs at things and buildings, and I did crazy things. Yeah. And I'm trying to work with that and, and help him mature with his bent, because the Bible says, "Work with children on the way they're bent, and in the end, they will not stray from it." It's their bent. So Juliana is, is a different bent. She has kind of my traits a little bit. Whenever she got she she's like, "Okay, let's go. Let's, let's deal with it. Let's take it." And she just sit there, and she would take it. Jane was like, "The Bible says, if she says you're sorry, there's no discipline." And Jane would just cry every time there was going to be discipline. He'd just break down, emotional, lay down, and cry, cry. And, and sometimes people were like, "We can't do anything to this little babies." We resisted that. We resisted that because the temptation was to let him off. And we resisted that. It was hard as a dad to resist that. But we did because we, we saw this. We saw the future. If we're going to really prepare him for the future, we have to really get on this now. Yeah. And so that was important for us. Uh, and the second thing in our household was that words matter. Mm-hmm. Words matter. Yes. The words of the reckless pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise bring healings. I'm the first part, Karen's the second part. I would say the dumbest, reckless things in my house. And then Karen would have to heal everybody. Because I grew up in a household where you just said it. You just said it. If it was a curse word. You just said it. Doesn't matter who was around, you just said it. And so, so, as a Christian, I was like, they have to know the truth. And I gotta let her rip. This is my opportunity. And I would say the the weirdest, dumbest things. They were truthful, but my words weighed so much they would discourage our kids. I remember getting getting mad over spilt milk. I yelled at Jane one time and just terrified him. You know why I did that? It's exactly what happened to me when I was a kid. I spilt milk and (laughs) terrorized. So naturally I was like, who you can't spill milk in the tear table? So after that moment I realized what I did. So now every time I spill milk, I laugh, I get, I get the paper towel, ha- accidents happen. Now if he's goofing around and kicking it off the table, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but if he hits his elbow and it falls over, hey, it's all good. It's great. Because what I learned was my reckless word. I saw the look on his face. I saw the tears. I saw the fear in his eyes. And it just broke me. I'm like, I will never do that again. I to that. But I, sometimes it, it happens. But that's why this proverb is so powerful for me, because the tongue of the wise brings healing. Having to apologize to my kids brings healing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't done apologize to your kids, man, and you make mess up, you should apologize. It's the most powerful thing yeah. adult children you can hear. When my dad says he saw as an adult, I'm like, I'm so moved, because yeah. they rarely say it. Yeah. It's a rare commodity. When I grew up, it was always brushed over or ignored, but no one would apologize. Mm-hmm. So when I hear it as an adult, I'm like... (laughs) It's powerful. Powerful stuff. Powerful. You know, the fact that we didn't mean to say it sounded that way. You know, I say things that... I said it, but I I didn't mean the way it sounded. Sometimes I say that to our kids. But that's really irrelevant. Amen. if I accidentally back over you with my car... You're no less injured if I didn't want it. If I did it on an accident, you're still injured. Whether it was I didn't mean it, it still causes an injury. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and and sarcasm doesn't work in our family. I try to do it and be funny with Karen, and sarcastic. Karen hates when I'm sarcastic. Karen can't stand when I'm sarcastic. I think I'm being hilarious. I think I'm think like, this is awesome. What a, you, you you're the luckiest woman. You married a guy has tons of humor. It is not work. She does not work. She try When she does it, I'm like, yes, where'd it go? Because I, I, I respond to sarcasm. So when she does it, it's okay. When I do it, it's like, that doesn't work. That's not going to. That is not. And they, I'm only kidding. doesn't work either. It doesn't work either. So what well, Karen and I decided, the intentional has to replace the natural. I'm natural like that, but I have to be intentional at home. I've got to be intentional with my family. I've got to think about it. Don't be sarcastic. Just tell Karen with honest lips what it made you feel. Sometimes I hide what I'm really feeling with sarcasm. I do it a lot. I'm trying to give her like a little little dig at her. Or I'll give my kids a little dig. Take some of that. And that's not going to work either. Decide what your children need to hear is what our philosophy was. And then we say it a ton of times. Like I say I love you to my kids and hug them and kiss them every single day. Because my time with them is running out. It's running out. And so I want to say as many I love as I can get in 18 years, 18 years I got them. As many as I can and as many hugs. That's what I, I dreamed of as a kid. But rarely ever got. I got handshakes. And I had to kiss strange uncles on the cheek. <laughs> Oddly, I was made to kiss my uncles but never my dad. Oddly, in our culture... We kissed the men with mustaches and the women with mustaches. We kissed them all. We kissed them all. You would go into a room.
1: You would go into a room
0: and there would be a... a, a not i kidding. 24 women sitting in a room at a big party. And the moment you walk in the house, the first thing my dad says is, not hello. Hey, glad you're here. Now, I'm, I'm, mind you, I'm 25. Did you salute everybody? I, I, I just walked in. And all right... 24 of them there I know two doesn't matter and you're just kissing you kissing no. I mean half of them helped me as a baby but i never seen them before in my life and you're just doing and then there's there's the men you know I've been doing this since I was three hug kiss the men hug kiss every man kiss every man kiss every man this is what we did and that's what my dad cared about but you know what he taught me you respect people as a girl later, I'm going, my dad had that right. You respect people, even if you don't know them, you go and you honor them. Little nuggets for my dad, but he, it wasn't like this, I'm going to teach you about respects. So I was like, hey, you just learn everybody? Hey, do this? But little did I know, he was actually teaching me things. But when I was a kid, I was like, crazy dads. But as I got older, I'm like, ah, I get it. I get what he was trying to teach me. Now, about our schedules and time. with, with uh, Ours is a little different. We kind of we make our schedule. So, but this is what we did. We're a little different. We, we don't have an 8 to 5. We have a, we have a, a, a nebulous of on-call appointments. We try to leave our time for our kids and schedule time for our children after school. Uh, here's the principle we live by. You love them in your hearts. You also have to love them in your calendars. You've got to love them. Love for kids means time. Jaden wants me to go into his little world and, and do his little toys, and Juliana wants me to spend time in her little princess world, and I have to do that. I struggle doing that. I'm like, why am I on my knees and on the floor? Karen's in there all day. She's like, this is awesome. And I'm like, is, what, am I, what am I doing? I don't even know what I... It feels so awkward. But time for them was love. And, and making small deposits over a long period of time makes a difference on them. It makes a difference. I'm glad I did that and now if she's 11, he's 9, I'm glad I made those little deposits. Um, for us it meant dinner time, around the table. It's where we laugh, it's where we share our day experiences, it's where we encourage each other, it's where we, we, in the morning time we read our Bibles together, And before they go to school, I read them a Bible story, we pray, a little simple one, but as they get ready for their day, they're, they're 9 and 11 now, so we read in the morning, have a little, what we call quiet times, read our Bibles with them. And then share them stories, and you know all the great book uh, Old Testament stories of the great prophets. We read them to them, so we want them to learn. And I'm trying to equip them for their faith. Now, the concept of discipline for us was, um, you know, they will not like you now, but they will like you later, and later is longer. You know, um, Karen's aunt in New Mexico told us this quote one time when we went to visit her. She passed recently, but she told us this quote. She says, "Either they cry now, or you cry later." And that was when, 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 when Karen was pregnant. Wow. And I just, that was just a nugget you get. So you get little nuggets from so many people. Like, oh, that's a nugget right there. Yeah. Either they cry now or you cry later. And I was like, that was a good one for New Mexico. So the stages of parenting are, it looks like this. One through five, Karen and I focused on the disciplinary, disciplinary years, corrections. It varied for many things. Uh, we're, in the, we're in the training years right now. So we're we're doing a lot of training. We're just it's 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 the it's the building blocks of the discipline. Now we're it's kind of re, re, refocusing and reenergizing the, those three traits. It's very easy now for us because they, they understand them. So the training years now is very helpful and easy for us. Uh, the coaching years are coming though. That's when they that's when we're going to see where the training and discipline how much that paid off. It's going to go into the coaching years. And who knows what that, that ride is going to be? And this sermon could change in six years. <laughs> And then we know that when they're older, there's going to be the friendship years, the 18 plus, And we want the friendship years. We're striving to have a, friend, a friendship with our children. This is what we tell our kids. And this, is, you may not like to hear this, but this is what we do. We don't, make, we don't want to make our kids feel like they need to become a Christian. Or they have to become a Christian. Do we want them to become a Christian? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but we, we, I tell my kids, you don't have to believe what I believe. You don't have to believe what I believe. I believe what I believe because I believe this is for me. And so, because I want my kids to make a choice for themselves. I want them to decide, I choose this. Now, I'm preparing. I'm, reading, I'm having quiet time. I'm doing, I'm, doing, I'm doing everything I can do that I know from the Scriptures to, to cultivate the environment. But what I'm not doing is making it a standard like, oh, when you become a, I don't even talk like that. When you become a Christian. I always say, if you ever want to become a Christian... That's why, that's why I lead it. Because those little words, my words weigh 500 pounds. When I say something, when and I expect, then what I saw growing up was kids being baptized for their parents.
1: Yeah.
0: I saw a lot of that. Yeah. And they were like 13 and noble. But what they realized when they were 18, was like, I did it for my parents. Mm-hmm. And I want my kids to go, hey, I did it because I believe in God. I want to be with God. I see this. So I take all the pressures off. They have enough pressure just being my kids anyway. I mean, I'm the minister and there's enough pressure on them. Or I just try to take it off. And what I love about you guys is that you guys have helped shape my children. So I want to thank you because you guys have all interacted with my kids and you've helped them in little ways that you don't really realize that you've helped them. They mention you at home and during dinner table. I'm like, oh, they're actually talking to the other Christians in church. This is awesome. And we have a great relationship. And I just want to say a big thank you for just interacting with our kids, uh, helping them, correcting them. And we don't, Karen and I believe if, if our kids need a correction, you can correct them and you should correct them. Because it's a community. That's the real world. That's what it's like. We, we're not offended when someone corrects our kid. We're like, that's for me to do. No. That's for you to do and I me mean to do. If he was out of line, you need to speak with him. Talk to him. It's honest. It's, just, it's, just, it's the part of the, the three core the dishonesty, uh, the dis- disrespect, and disobedience. Um, what we do now with our kids since they're in the, during the training years when they come home and tell us some great news or some bad news, our reaction usually is the same. Oh, really? Oh, okay. And we try to relate. We don't go, oh, really? No. Oh, so whether it's good or bad, our reaction is benign. Okay, great. Oh, alright, good news. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Oh, bad news. Oh, okay, what happened? Because as soon as we react to bad news, what I experienced was, and from watching kids, is that they close up once the parents give their reaction to bad news and how they respond to it, it's going to determine whether they're going to tell you more. So we try to give our reaction to be very like benign, very easy. Oh, really? Oh, wow. And when they're sad, we're sad. Okay? We don't go like, how dare that person? And we don't run, run to school kid in our arm and talk to the principal. I've had to talk to the principal a few times but that's because it was something that was a violation of school school principle, school uh, policy that I, I needed to get involved. But we don't really uh, react a lot when our kids come home, um, and that's kind of like you know what, what the Bible's about. You know, when you come to church, we're not. Oh my gosh, you did that. We're like, oh really? Wow, that's that's painful. Wow, you went through that. Oh my gosh, we're, we're sympathetic. And that's way we try to be with our kids. We don't, we don't do that with, not, with people who are in the Bible and try to be all, oh, that's so awesome. But our kids are going, you did what? We want it to be the same. The same. How we treat people is how we want them to treat them at home. It's the same. Um, we try to connect with discipline. We try to connect their, their, their crime and their, and, their, and, their, and their punishment together. So that meant, that meant sometimes with, and during the, in, the, in the later part of these years when they were five, when they would get crazy at the, at the store, uh, we got home an hour later, and then there was discipline. They were like, Oh, that was a big one for them. Because what, what they realized was that how I act here will affect my relationship when I get back home. So as they got older, we sort of implemented a little bit of that, which is really good for us and, and for him to understand that you just can't be reckless away from home and then expect no 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 consequences. Um, we never counted to three. Uh, we refused to threaten our kids repeatedly. If you do, if you do, if you, do. we didn't want to be those parents. Um, we didn't make excuses for our kids. When someone pointed something out, we said thank you, amen. Um, we didn't we didn't use the, the excuse, well they're just tired. Yeah, they're a jerk because they're tired. You know, I can't be a jerk when I'm tired. Yeah, come on. As much as I'd like to be a jerk when I'm tired, I, I can't go out in public and just be a jerk. I'm tired. <laughs> Can't do that.
1: Yeah.
0: I can't I can't you know, why mom's are gonna go, he's just tired. Sorry Starhooks, he's just tired. That's not the real world. So we never hid behind the that oh my kid's totally spitting on you and kicking you. He's just tired. We just we just thought that was kinda like it's off from reality. It's not just tired. It's, it's it's you gotta you gotta get in there, right? So that's what we felt we did. Not saying you gotta do. It, I'm just saying this is all what we've done. Okay? You can take what you want from this lesson. What you want from it. Um, we are fighting the fair doctrine right now. Everything has to be fair. And Karen and I don't really li- live by that doctrine. Sometimes we do do it to make a point to them. Oh, Juliana got punished. It's only fair, Jaden, if you get punished. And that they're like. Oh, oh, it doesn't, re- yeah, it doesn't, if you want fair, then when she gets disciplined, when, you- when you're an angel, it's only fair. And then he stopped, he start- now he's starting to realize, oh, I want justice, you want, God is just, God is not necessarily fair. Because if God was fair, then everyone who's going to hell, we're going with them. That's fair, Right? We want a just God, right? Right, so I'm trying to give my kids reality here. Um, You know, we we thought about that because life is not fair. Um, And then when you get arrested, then you have to wait. And usually the the punishment doesn't fit the crime in the mind of the criminal. And it only takes a five-minute activity to spend the rest of your life in jail. So we wanted to give them a reality of what the world is like and how it functions. uh, In a loving way, of course. So one of the great books we read, I'll recommend to you that we've read uh, in this age of training for us. We read a lot of children uh, books and seminars we went to and retreats. Uh, but this, this, this year here and this year here, uh, we wrote a good book called The Age of Opportunity by David Tripp. And the, and the essence of the book was this. When, they're, when you're tired and exhausted and your kids are fighting, Engage. That's the opportunity to engage. When they come home and they've been, and they've been fighting with a friend or something happened and you, and you come from a 40 50 hour work week, you, you haven't slept in 12 days, you're exhausted engage. Enga- that's your moment to engage them when they when they're hurting when there something happens, don't wait till tomorrow. engage them now. Wait and engage. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. So we chose to engage our kids, even when we're after a long day. You know, after a, a, a day where we just, we just want to go to bed, and sometimes going to bedtime with them, stuff comes out when we're putting in to bed. You know, stuff comes out. And all you all want to do is just say a little prayer, and let's go to sleep. And then Jaden starts talking. And he starts off start like funny talk. And then it gets to, like, more real talk. But I would have cut it short and said, let's pray, let's just pray. Because I can control the environment. Let's pray. I would have missed my opportunity. And stuff would come out. That's how stuff came out. With stuff was going on at school that I had to go talk to the principal. I'm like, oh, okay, uh-huh, yeah, tell me about that. Oh, it really happened. Oh, wow, wow. oh, boy.
1: Nice.
0: <laughs> We're going to have a little conversation. Okay, but that's what happened, and I was tired. and, and this scripture really, really uh, stuck out to me. I got to make the most of every opportunity, every one of them. And every day is an opportunity to tune into our kids and be ready to drop anything to engage it. To drop what you're doing and engage your kids. That's what we did. We, we would just drop something and go engage them. What's going on? What's happening? Um, we, we we worked really hard on not to freak out when we heard bad news. We, we give them the same reaction. Don't freak out. Yeah. Um, oh, really? Huh? Tell me more about that. That was kind of our our thing. As far as our faith in our family, we believe what happens at home is more important than what happens at church. To us, things that are in our home was more important than going, them going to class. Our environment at home was more important, and we assumed the responsibility of the development of their faith. So it was it was up to me and Karen. Uh, it's never up to our amazing servant teachers who volunteer. It was never on them. It never will be on them. There is no pressure on them. In fact, we are thankful that they opened the Bible with our kids. But it's never on them. Amen. It's, ne- it's never... Oh, I don't go on like, This is disorganized! And why is that thing unplugged? I would never... I would never do that to them. Because for us, the responsibility is mine. Mm-hmm. Not theirs. Mine. Even if they went in there and they did crayon writing... I'm grateful because it's not their responsibility. It's my responsibility. Yeah. See, when, 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 when I hear, well, we know about a already, Dad, I'm like, well, good, because we're, we're going to open it tomorrow morning, son. Come on. <laughs> That's right. It's okay. I'm like, oh my goodness. Who are. Vi- <laughs> are they real Christians? <laughs> no, they're just servants. Do we want a great class for them? Absolutely. But if there's a, if they had a, a crazy weekend and they didn't get to the get, get they had some crazy situation and they couldn't get it done, the responsibility is mine anyway. It's never on them. Amen. And I, I, that's, that was our attitude. So we loved it. We loved it when uh, when they would go and would open their Bible. Um, family time. You know, we have those reserved Sunday nights. Our family night. We hang out, and the kids know and they love it. We don't we don't we don't necessarily have a, have a Bible Devo. We just hang out together. You know, our, our kids love watching this, this show called Halloween Cake Wars. And that, they're so into it. They're into like Restaurant Impossible. And I'm like, this is, these are dumb shows. But I'm sitting there watching with them because it's family time. And no one gets to dominate the conversation. So we're having great times and we have fun. Sometimes we'll play Monopoly. I hate Monopoly, but we play it anyway. And I have to lose on purpose because if I don't, someone will get all, because I know all the marketing schemes, how to do it. And Karen's like, You're playing with kids. I'm like, All right, (laughs) play to lose. Um, Our family talks are positive. We don't, we don't bring up any, any, like, those are separate issues. We all we want our family time to be family fun. We don't want it to be heavy and gloomy. So we make sure it's positive and encouraging. We'll have those conversations later but if it, that need to happen. But those are, for the most part, they're positive. We take every opportunity to explain to our kids how our faith is impacted by real life. Like, I tell my children what's age-appropriate for them, how I'm doing. How, how, how I'm doing spiritually, how, how this situation at home is impacting my faith. And I would encourage you to do the same. Let your kids know um, what's going on in your life a little to demonstrate your faithfulness, to help them see that you have struggles, you have challenges, but you're faithful through the process. You know, talk about your giving, talk about your struggles, uh, demonstrate your, uh, your, your faith. Uh, but don't let church be the only spiritual component they get. We have to do that. Uh, invite your kids to pray. So we did to pray about our decisions. When we get a call that someone's in the hospital or someone got hurt, we, we get our kids together and we pray with them. And we want them to see that God answers prayers. And every time we do that, God comes through and answers amazing prayer. We're like, yes! Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the smallest things. Karen's like, i that's my keys. And then we did pray. And then Karen would find her keys. We're like, look what God did! We were doing that since they were two. And now, when when they they pray, they see God's prayer, Their faith is like God answered the prayer. It was amazing. God listens to us. And one of the other parts about this was developing them spiritually. Was uh, teaching them to monitor their own hearts. Now, so we're in the training. So we're training them to monitor their hearts. We ask them questions like, "Is everything okay in your heart? Any anybody have any hurt feelings? Are you mad at anybody?" This morning, Jaden was mad at Karen. Karen spoke to Jaden, and he was, she was a little strong. He got hurt and got mad. So, right, it's right before church is starting at the carnival. we got to get there. It's crazy. We are not going anywhere until this is resolved. We'll we be late probably, but this is more important to us. When we get mad at us, probably. When you get criticized for lack of character, probably. You have the church key, no one else can get in, probably. (laughs) But this is the most important thing for us. (coughs) So dad steps in. Mom, you're a little harsh. What do you say? I'm sorry. Jane, look at your mom. Jane, what do you say? I forgive you. Okay. Karen walks away. Karen's like, he didn't didn't apologize. Good Way way to note that, honey. Jaden, can you tell mom I'm sorry? He goes there, I'm sorry mom. Boom. Done. Now let's go to church. Now let's go to church. Okay? So, if you're chronically late to church, for, not, for, any, for not, any, not any of that reason, you shouldn't be late to church, except for reasons like these. These are important things. Get resolved. Come. Sometimes Karen and I fight before church, and we just say, timeout. It's too big to resolve. Timeout for after church. Let's have a D time with somebody else in the church <laughs> and I just cannot exaggerate enough the influence that your kids who know my kids and their friendship I love when Jaden's on the phone with Kai Beber and, and Chris, Ray, Chris, Chris Wade he's got two phones out he's got my cell phone at the home line and they're all on the computer but and they're in their own houses All right, but they're all talking and they're doing this, some game called Minecraft and they're playing they only get two hours a day so and he takes it not with his not with his friends from school, but he takes those hours and spends them with, with Chris on the phone or with Kai. That's what they do, and, that, and that's to me. Thank you. That, that's a gift from God that our kids can be friends with your kids, and they can grow up together and be friends for life together. That's just a ch- and So if you have little children in the church, match them up and get, get some time, make time for other families, and make sure your kids have other relations. And when they come to church, they're not coming to church; they're coming to see their friends. That's why I come to church too. I come to church to worship God, but to see my best friends here. And, and, and my kids feel the same way. So, in conclusion, for the parents, the healthiest thing, I'm sorry, the, the, the best thing to do for your kids is a healthy marriage is the best gift to give to your children. Because they're going to be telling stories about you the way I'm telling stories about my parents. They're going to be telling stories about you. And the best gift you can give them is a healthy marriage. What can you do today, and this from this point on, to create the story that you want them to tell? And that ends our series on future family. Thanks for your time.